Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. Today I want at least to begin to look at the topic of marital intimacy. As we begin, let's return to the Garden of Eden. The biblical account in the book of Genesis is brief but extremely revealing. Before Eve arrived, Adam had a place to live, a vocation, a clear statement of rules, and open fellowship with God. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it, guys? However, in the mind of God, something was missing. Now, whether or not Adam knew it, he had not yet experienced one dimension of life. Who knows, maybe God was creating a felt need in Adam when he gave him the assignment of naming all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. Think about it. As Adam observed the male and female genders of each animal, just maybe he became aware that he had no counterpart. All the animal world seemed to exist in pairs, but he was alone. God's answer to Adam's loneliness, whether he felt it or not, was the creation of Eve and the institution of marriage. When Adam saw Eve, he exclaimed, Wow, <laughs> not really. As it is recorded, he exclaimed, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Awakened from a deep sleep, he beheld the work of God and knew that she was for him. Adam's analysis is revealing. He saw in her his counterpart, taken out of him, but separate from him. This simple, graphic picture of creation is at the heart of what marital intimacy is all about. Intimacy is not sameness. Becoming close does not mean we become identical, that we lose our individuality, that our lives are blended into some new whole and we lose our personhood. On the contrary, it is our uniqueness and our separateness that makes intimacy possible. If we were identical, there would be nothing to discover, no new thing to experience, no joy of exploration. Because we are different, there is the potential for exploration and discovery, and the excitement of the process adds a whole new dimension to marriage. Two people entering into each other's lives, discovering and being discovered, that is intimacy. Something deep within Adam responded to something deep within Eve. This was no superficial encounter. This was the heart of humanity responding to another human heart, another who was closer to him than all else in the universe. She was formed differently from him, not from the dust, but from his own rib. Adam called her woman, not man. Had he called her man, she would have been a duplicate. Instead, he called her woman because she was taken out of man. Related? Yes, but different, unique, complementary, the counterpart of man, one to whom man could relate, one who could understand and be understood, one who could communicate on the same level, one who would also have fellowship with God, one who is highly intelligent, also one made in God's image, 
and thus the only one of God's creatures able to relate to man in such an intimate fashion. One of the essential ingredients of intimacy is allowing each partner to be himself or herself. Intimacy must never be interpreted as the effort to conform the spouse to your ideals, to your thinking. To reduce another to being a duplicate is not the purpose of intimacy. In intimacy, we are trying to grow close together, not destroy the otherness, but to enjoy it. Men and women are different, and we must not, even with good intentions, seek to destroy those differences. The other half of Adam's statement focused on kinship or relatedness. When he said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, Adam was expressing his sense of kinship with this woman. She was different from all the animals whom he had named, radically and totally different. She was related to him. She was not the long-lost friend. Rather, she was the much-longed-for friend whom he had not known before. She was the answer to his inner desires for companionship, for someone to whom he could relate as an equal. Some may question whether the biblical account of the woman being created from the rib of Adam would indicate that she is inferior to man. However, the idea of inferiority is found nowhere in the biblical text. Rather, how she was created is a declaration of the capacity for intimacy. The fact that God chose to make Eve from the rib of man is another indication of God's wisdom and his intention for deep intimacy in marriage. If God had made the woman from the dust of the ground as he had made the man, she may have looked the same as Eve, but there would not have been the physical, emotional, and spiritual ties with Adam. God's creative act planted deep within the male and female a natural desire for each other, a kinship, a relationship, a potential for extraordinary closeness. Nothing in this biblical account indicates inferiority. Rather, the emphasis is on intimacy. It is because of these two realities, similarities and differences, that man is motivated to leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Because woman was taken from man, she is related to man. There is something deep within the man that cries out for the woman and something within the woman that longs for the companionship of the man. We were made for each other. To deny our similarities is to deny our basic humanity. We were formed by the same God, from the same fabric, for the purpose of relating to each other. On the other hand, to acknowledge our similarities and deny our differences is a futile effort to refute reality. Our theme is not competition. Our theme is cooperation. We were made not to compete, but to complement. Adam found in Eve a resting place, a home, a relative, one who was deeply and uniquely related to him, and Eve found the same in Adam. What was life like for the first man and woman? We are left largely to our imagination, but one brief word is given. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. The old saying, one picture is worth a thousand words, must surely apply here. Do you see the picture? 
male and female, naked, without shame. It is the most graphic picture of marital intimacy. Two distinct persons, equal in value with bone-deep emotional, spiritual, physical relatedness, totally transparent, without fear of being known. It is that kind of openness, acceptance, trust, and excitement to which we allude when we use the word intimacy. The emphasis is on transparency and openness, the freedom to know and to be known. Obviously, the primary reference in this verse is to physical nakedness, but implied is also emotional, spiritual, and intellectual nakedness. The picture is that of transparency, of being known totally by another. As fallen, self-centered creatures, we often rebel against being known. To be known opens the possibility of being condemned and rejected. We fear that if our mate really knew us, he or she would not like us. Therefore, because of our fallenness, it is almost impossible for us to imagine being totally known by another person. We have been trained well to put our best foot forward by sharing only those things that we feel will enhance us in the eyes of others, all the while covering our self-centeredness and sinful actions and thoughts. Such an attitude developed as a self-preservation technique in a sinful world, but it limits the level of intimacy one may experience with his or her spouse. Even as Christians, we may never regain the paradise of total intimacy, but to turn away from the potential of high-level intimacy is to consciously turn away from God's original pattern. One can only imagine the conversations Adam and Eve shared. Did Adam tell her all that had transpired before she arrived? Did he introduce her to the animals by name? Did he speak of his care for the garden before she came? How much of each day did they spend in each other's physical presence, and how much time did they spend apart? We are not told, but we can only imagine that when they were together, conversations were revealing. Nothing was held back, for they had no fear of being known. They had nothing to be ashamed of. It is hard to read the biblical account without experiencing an emotional longing for a return to paradise. This longing motivates us to seek and find that special man or that one-of-a-kind woman with whom we can share our lives. Our desire for an intimate relationship leads us to make deep, all-encompassing vows to each other when we marry. Does anything in contemporary life parallel the pristine excitement of Eden when Adam and Eve first related to each other? I want to suggest that it is the experience we commonly call falling in love. It is an emotional, spiritual experience fully as spontaneous as that moment when Adam first saw Eve and she him. The experience of falling in love is not of human making. It is totally beyond us. It happens to Christians and non-Christians. It has the same elements of that initial meeting of Adam and Eve. Well, our time is gone for today. I invite you to join me on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page for some live teaching on relationships. If you're not a Facebook user, 
Or if the time is inconvenient, you can go to my website, mutualunderstanding.net, and click on the Mum Live tab to view the recorded teachings. Be safe and have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.